Good morning, RFL fans, and welcome back to episode 18 of the 307 Film Room with your host, Mitchell O'Brien. We have Coach Forbes back with us today. Before we start, just want to wish everyone in the RFL community a happy Easter. And today we're going to be talking about the top 10 college tight end rankings that we have done up. Yes, so sir. Yes, okay, so first... First off, we're going to be starting with uh, questions, or you want to go over our list, and then we'll hit the questions afterwards. I think we should start with the questions so people know more about the prospects before we start answering questions about them. Okay, so we're starting, we'll start with the very bottom at the at, at the bottom. We got Skeggy Thrash, uh, tight end out of the University of Oklahoma. He stands at 6'4", 251 pounds. Skedgy Thrash had 33 catches for 295 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Oklahoma's offense really didn't use a tight end as they often ran a third wide receiver out on the field. So Skedgy Thrash wasn't used very often, but when he was, he was a very effective target for Daryl Johnson. Yeah, man, Skedgy Thrash was definitely a solid blocker. But like you said, in Oklahoma's offensive scheme, it just wasn't really made for tight ends. So his... Statistics suffered, but when he got the opportunity, he really showed out. And uh, I think he'll make whatever team gets him. He'll be a definite uh, solid option for him. Uh, yeah, definitely schedule thrash. I think will be a sleeper tight end just because people didn't have a lot of film to watch on him. Coming in at number nine, we have Dylan Ferguson, uh, tight end out of Texas. Dylan Ferguson stands at 6'4", 240. He had 48 catches for 647 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Dylan Ferguson was a hard-nosed downhill runner for the Texas Longhorns as he was not afraid to make contact after making after catching the ball down the field as he bodied uh, smaller DBs out of his way. So Dylan Ferguson is definitely one of those tight ends. Being smaller on the small side at 240 um, wasn't the best blocker out there. But that also being said, he's probably the best tight end after the catch, I could say. You know, being slightly faster than others. Yeah. Uh, coming in at number eight, we have James Ivanovsky, the Russian assassin, as many Miami Hurricanes would call him. He coming in at six foot four, two fifty. Ivanovsky had forty-seven catches for five hundred and fifty-three yards and five touchdowns. Uh, James Ivanovsky was a very sure-handed tight end over the middle. Uh, did well in the blocking game as well as he was an as he could be regarded as an extra lineman in running situations as he wasn't afraid to uh, make contact with uh, defensive ends in, in uh, pass block and run block situations. Let me check something real quick. Let me see. Cause I'm pretty sure Ivan Ask is one of the only players who didn't have a drop on the season. I don't think so. Miami, Miami, Miami. Yeah, Ivanovsky. I guess you could say he's got the most reliable hands in this class. I mean, not a single drop all season compared to some of these other prospects. Hey, man. Can't, can't be hating on that. Good good hands, no drops. Coming at number eight, that's, that's, uh, that's a pretty low ranking, but... Uh, just he wasn't used well in Miami with the mobile quarterback situation. So, well, not a lot of receivers did well at Miami. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but just to, in general, 
the passing game struggles for the Hurricanes this past season. So being the fourth option on most plays, uh, you can really suffer. Coming in at number seven, we had Lucas Butler, tight end out of the out of the University of Iowa, coming in at six foot six, two hundred and fifty pounds. Uh, Lucas Butler had seventy one catches for six hundred and thirty seven yards and six touchdowns. Uh, Lucas Butler is probably one of the tight ends that'll be slept on this year as Iowa didn't get a lot of smoke as they only had the three submitted players. But being one of only three submitted players, Lucas Butler was uh, Kirk Pearson's one of his favorite targets the entire season as it showed with 71 catches. Uh, Butler also is a solid route runner all around and uh, a pretty good run blocker as he helps bring, uh, spring Cleon Markham in for long runs. Yeah, so this is where we're starting to get into, into those ranges of tight ends where they're not going to be the best coming out of the draft, but they're always going to be good, good, solid targets when you need them in games. They know how to run their routes. They know how to catch the ball. And they know how to get first downs. But they're not going to go out there and get you 100-yard games every other week. Yeah. But, you know, uh, not every team needs that. And Lucas Butler could be a great second tight end on most teams. Exactly. Like, every team needs a second tight end because if you don't got a second tight end, you've got a left tackle out there, and they're not going to catch the ball and run down the field. So Good old man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Good old man. Uh, coming in number six, we have Tyler Deitridge out of the university – Oh, the Ohio State University. Uh, shout out, Coach Back. Coming in six foot five, uh, 240 pounds. Tyler Dietrich had 49 catches, 609 yards, six touchdowns. I would say Tyler Dietrich was the best all around blocking tight end in the entire college series as he uh, helped uh, put uh, Jake Feldman uh, down the field. Feldman uh, struggled for some reason. O line must have. Been bad for Ohio State, but Tyler Dietrich, solid hands, uh, great route runner, and hard nose blocker as he's not afraid to put his head down. Uh, six foot five, two forty, kind of a big fullback, but uh, I could definitely see Tyler Dietrich as a uh, as an H back in some formations and uh, running downs. Yeah, he's definitely got that fullback flexibility, only being two forty. But um, the thing you don't see about him is that he's a great route runner. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't catch the ball very often compared to some of these other tight ends. But once he gets it, he definitely knows what to do with it. Yeah. Uh, get up the field ability. Only having 49 catches while everyone else is, like, around in the 50s, 60s, some some in the 70s. I think we got one in the 80s. Uh. One was close to the age. Barman had 78. Godspeed has 83. Oh, yeah. Godspeed has 83. Yeah, so uh, Tyler Dietrich, great tight end, too. Uh, definitely could be a day one starter for his blocking ability and uh, heavy formations. Uh, coming in at number five, we have Mason Dunn, tight end out of West Virginia, standing at six foot three, three, yeah, 235 pounds. Uh, Dunn had 68 catches, 754 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, Mason Dunn is an excellent uh, hands-wide receiver. Didn't really do much in the blocking game. 
uh, hasn't hasn't yet refined that ability. Only at two thirty at two thirty five, kind of difficult to uh, be an elite blocker at such a light weight. But uh, Mason Dunn is definitely one of the most uh, solid hands uh, tight end. I I deemed him a big wide receiver. You can line him up in the slot, and uh, pretty much anywhere over the field, he'll create some separation off linebackers and. Uh, You'd have to put a big safety on him if you want to keep him contained. Yeah, I think uh, the best. I think Mason Dunn has to make the transition to wide receiver in the RFL. I'm not sure how well he does at 235 at tight end. Yeah, Lucas Luciano, the tight end for uh, the Armadillos, has has survived at uh, like 236 foot. So maybe Mason Dunn's just going to be a loose, a loose, uh, Lucy. Yeah. Lewis Luciano, what? That's a tongue twister. Yeah, we'll, we'll maybe, have to see uh, what he runs at the combine. Yeah, definitely. Because if he uh, coming in, finish what you're going to say. Oh, because if he's slow, he's going to have to play tight end. But if he can put up those numbers, I he'd probably more likely to be a big slot. Yeah. Uh, coming in at number four, we had Chandler Godspeed Jr. out of UCLA, standing at six foot five, two hundred and fifty-five pounds. Uh, led all the tight ends in catches with eighty with eighty-three, uh, eight hundred and eight yards and five touchdowns. Uh, Chandler Godspeed is an electric athlete as he can he can take the top off the defense with his speed. Uh, solid hands, great route runner, not much of a blocker, so he's going to have to be your tight end one and just uh, use them to uh, move safeties out the way for your uh, wide receivers to uh, get down the field on one-on-one situations. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Chandler Godspeed is the only tight end to leave his, to lead his team and catch his yards and touchdowns. So he was definitely yeah. the first option there at UCLA for Jace Worth. You know, a nice little safety net, and I think that's exactly what he can do in the RFL. He might not put up the same numbers, but I think he'll definitely be a safety net for whatever quarterback uh, he ends up going to. For sure. Uh, coming in at number three, we have Anthony Fry, uh, tight end out of Texas A&M, standing at six foot five, three hundred, yeah, three hundred, two hundred and thirty-nine. Big boy, pounds, big boy, two hundred and thirty-nine pounds. Uh, he had sixty catches for uh, six hundred and forty-seven yards, two touchdowns. Anthony Fry, once again, a, another electric athlete as he flies down the field past the linebackers. Uh, Fry is is a guy that you, you're going to have to double team because the linebacker is not going to be able to uh, cover him as he's just going to fly past them and beat them with his uh, crafty route running. Yeah, Anthony Fry was another one of those tight ends who suffered from having a dual threat quarterback in a system that doesn't that just doesn't pass as much, especially to their tight ends. And even though I think Anthony Fry could definitely be a red zone target, even though only having two touchdowns in college. A lot, a lot of these tight ends on this list suffered from that. With uh, Fry having a mobile quarterback, Godspeed having a mobile quarterback, Ivanovsky, Butler, Sketchy Thrash, even though that Oklahoma really didn't put him on the field. Uh, so the only guys that really had tight uh, quarterbacks that uh, did I say Tyler Dietrich, he he suffered from that too. The only tight ends that didn't have scramblers was Mason Dunn, Brady Barrowman, and Zane Nasir. So, with three... Oh, and I, I guess Dylan Ferguson, uh, Joseph 
Salazar. Still haven't figured out that name. Didn't scramble that much. So when seven out of ten tight ends uh, suffered from scrambling quarterbacks, uh, that just keeps their potential uh, un- uh, unseen, I guess. Uh, coming in at number two, we have Brady Barrowman, the towering tight end at six foot seven, two hundred and thirty pounds. Had seventy eight catches for nine hundred and seventeen yards, six touchdowns. Uh, Brady Barrowman would have led his team in catches, uh, yards, and touchdowns. I would I would come to assume. Uh, Brady Barrowman is like I said, a towering, towering menace at six foot seven. Just throw it up to him, and he's going to catch it because he's just taller than everyone else on the field. Uh, there's not many other players that are going to be taller than six foot seven out on the football field. So, Barrowman was just a freak athlete. Uh, didn't really use his height and weight to be an effective uh, blocker, but uh, when asked, he did all right. But it's definitely not his strength, as he can stretch the field as he had 917 yards. Yeah, I see. Uh, I see whoever whoever drafting Barrowman, moving him all across the field. Whether it be the X receiver, the Y receiver, and edge back, just when you're six foot seven and can move the way he does, it's a mismatch. No matter where you put him, he's if he, because if he's not bigger than you, he's faster than you. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's kind of like uh, a Cam Jones, the wide receiver for uh, the Dreadnoughts. Just probably not going to be as fast as Cam Jones is, like ninety six speed. But Perry Bowerman, I can definitely see being like a 88 speed tight end at six foot seven and just being an absolute nightmare for uh, defensive coordinators to try to cover because you, you, you can't have it. There's no DB that's going to be able to cover six foot seven. Like, the, I think the tallest corner in the RFL is six foot four, and that'd be Chamberlain. So. Yeah, you're not going to find somebody that's as tall as Brady Bowerman. as tall and as fast. Exactly. Uh, and then coming in number one, we have Zane Nasir, tight end out of Georgia. Zane Nasir stands at six foot five, two hundred and forty-six pounds, at fifty-two catches, uh, six hundred and sixty yards, five touchdowns. Uh, Zane Nasir is everything you look for in a tight end. Great hands, great, great block, uh, great blocker. He's a tough runner, has great ability to separate off the line and make big catches. Uh, Zane Nasir has great size for the position. A well. He he's not an he's not an elite athlete by any means, but he's uh, probably the most technical tight end in this draft. Oh, definitely. Um, I think the main reason we have him at number one is because I think he might be the most pro ready, do everything you need him to do right now coming into the RFL. You know, exactly. Like Brady Bowerman, we had him. He he had, he led the uh, nation for tight ends and yards. And I but think he might be a better he might be a better receiver than Zane is here, but like you said, he just he he's not a great blocker yet, and a lot of teams need help from a tight end blocking. Exactly. Like when you're looking for a tight end, you want blocking and catching. And Zane is here has both. He's a great route runner. He can create separation on linebackers. Not a super athlete, but you don't need to be a super athlete at tight end. My tight end has seventy nine speed and creates uh great separation off the line. So, even if you're coming in at like 83 speed at tight end, yeah, you're not taking the top off the defense. But if you can uh, make, if you can run your routes crisper than the linebacker can cover them, 
he's going right, you're going left, you're open. So, yep. Yeah, so that, so that's your uh, – this is the top 10 tight ends list. Uh, just for review, uh, Zane Nasiris, we just talked about, Brady Bowerman, Anthony Fry, uh, Chandler Godsby Jr., Mason Dunn, Tyler Deitridge, Lucas Butler, James Ivanovsky, Dylan Ferguson, and Skedgy Thrash. So that, <clears throat> now let's move on to our questions. Uh, first question, we're just going to start off with uh, Jacob McCall's question, quarterback from Alabama. He asked, which tight ends will be day one starters? Um, uh, well, I think we already uh, discussed that Zane Nasir will probably be a day one starter. I think starter. it all depends on who drafts him as well. That's that's very true as well. It depends on the situation. I don't know how to. many tight end needy teams there are in the RFL. So if we say everyone goes to their perfect fit, I think the top three. Could be day one starters and Zane this year, Brady Brahman, and Anthony Fry. Yeah, definitely. I can see that. Uh, definitely, definitely Zane is here. Brady Barman will start just because of his pure size of being six foot seven. You can't have that on the bench because that's just a mismatch problem. Exactly. Uh, Anthony Fry has the great speed, uh, great speed to uh, take the top off linebackers. Uh, if I'm looking down at the other, the other remaining ones, probably uh, Tyler Dietrich has the best possibility to uh, get on the field earliest because he's a great run blocker. Yep. So even if he's not the number one, he's he's going to be on the field in those heavy heavier packages to be a blocker. Uh, there's the play action packages within within heavy, so that's a possibility for Tyler Dietrich to get on the field. And then, as you and I discussed, if Mason Dunn runs fast at the combine, maybe he gets on the field as a big slot. Exactly. Maybe not every formation, but he maybe he can be the rotational piece for a team when they just just need somebody to get on the field. So, yeah. So that's that question. Uh, next question comes from uh, Amir Williams, and his his question is very specific. Specific as he asks where his boy James Ivanovsky will land. Uh, don't really know. Uh, a lot, there's again, I don't think there's any tight end needy teams that like tight end number one priority as one tight ends are lo- fall lower on the spectrum of air quote need. Everyone wants a tight end, but everyone doesn't. No, everyone. Needs a tight end. Not everybody wants a tight end. Yeah, I'm not sure we so, see. I'm not sure we yeah. see any go in the first round. Oh, definitely. I don't see any uh, tight ends going in the first round, and probably might be uh, might be hard pressed to see them go early in day two. Like, because I just I can't think of a team right now that has an older tight end that like be coming in as immediate starter, especially like, with none of these tight ends making a huge impact in the college series. Exactly. Like no, none of these tight ends were like, wow, must draft this. This is prime. Like neat. Yes. Like I, I'm not like, there's no, no one really to reference. Yeah. The no NFL. one really separated themselves to reference the NFL. There's no Kyle Pitts. Like there's no Kyle Pitts in this uh, class. So I don't know. Uh, I can see, uh, I can see James Ivanovsky probably going in like the fifth round, maybe. Like, as again, he's a sure-handed uh, tight end, had no drops, 
So that's a positive for when a coach is looking. Uh, he's a pretty solid blocker, but uh, if we're looking for one specific team, I don't know that. Uh, coming into our next question, which comes from uh, free safety Chris Polk, he asks, who is the most useful tight end in this draft class and why? Useful. Uh, once again. Um, I almost want to say Bowman. Yeah, I was going to say either Bowman or Nasir. Uh, obviously, Nasir for his blocking ability, but Bowman, once again, speed and size. Can't preach that enough. That, like, he's you can move him around the field. Like, no corner's going to be able yeah, to cover Barman, him. Yeah. No linebacker. Yeah, like, Barman can play anywhere so, from wide receiver one to tight end two. <laughs> Doesn't exactly. matter his overall. He's going to be a mismatch no matter what. Exactly. Man does factor into the size cap. I want to see what his vertical is going to be at the combine. Oh, that, that was if, if his jumping can match DBs, I don't see how you don't make him wide receiver one, no matter his overall. Exactly. Uh, and then our next question uh, comes from uh, Amir Williams. He says, best play made by a tight end this past season. I really had to like try to think and like think of a play, but the only play that like immediately came to my mind as big threat tight end was that uh, long touchdown by James Ivanovsky against Washington. But while watching film on these tight ends, uh, they made quite a few of them made some pretty impressive catches. Anthony Fry made a couple of crazy catches. Barrowman made a couple of crazy catches. Dan Nasir. So like, I don't think there was any like. Again, these tight ends were very underused in uh, the college series, so kind of hard, kind of limits the big big flash yeah. ability. But uh, probably Ivanov's eighty yard, uh, 80 yard touchdown. Yeah. yeah. Then our final question uh, came from uh, Coach uh, Christian Bacchigalupi, and he says, "How much does block? How much does blocking versus receiving influence?" Your uh, tight end. Well, you can do both. You get higher on the list. Exactly. It's it's uh, that's exactly why Zanier came in at number one because he's a great run. He's a great pass catcher, a great blocker, a great physical runner, and he beats out Brady Barrowman because Barrowman is not that uh, physical blocker that you need. So that's how Zanier moved his way up the list. Because of his blocking ability, and yeah, then I think looking uh, uh, at Tyler Deitcher's of the world was a great blocker, and that's how he got up to six. Because looking at like forty nine catches, yeah, he falls more down with like the nines and the tens because of his uh, lack of catches because of Ohio State's offense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then. Uh, I mean, I feel like in today's RFL, we had to factor in, we had to factor in receiving a little more than blocking, just just the way the game is played. Yeah. But if you can block, you'll find yourself a spot. Yeah. And then we're coming to uh, Coach Jacob Reed's six questions that he asked last week. There, I think every, I think all these questions uh, are going to be tailored to every positional group we use. So we're probably just going to use these six questions as like a general, general building block. 
the first question was who is the most balanced player within this position group? I'd say Zane Nasir. I also say Zane Nasir. Uh, most raw athletic talent at the position. I'm gonna go with Anthony. I'm also Fry. going with Anthony Fry. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, third question: Who do you view as a day one starter from these position groups? Already asked uh, by McCall, so that question was already asked. But the top three tight ends, most likely. Uh, number question four. Do you view any player as a specific team fit within the RFL? Haven't we haven't been able to dive into uh, exact uh, need of like what teams could use a tight end, but pretty sure uh, most of the tight ends could fit a exact scheme fit. Uh, let me try to think of a team. That uh, a Zane is here to work with. Well, I can see Zane is here going to like the Barons. Yeah, I can see a Zane is here to the Barons. Uh, trying to think who's an older tight end in this league. Uh, you don't have the zip code. That sucks. Hmm. Trying to think who. Trying to think of who. What team best works? Uh, next question was how does a position how does this position stack up in death compared to other position groups? You know I'm doing a podcast right now. I'm doing a podcast right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the next question is how does the position group stack up in terms of uh, depth compared to other? other uh, it's probably some of the worst depth we have. I I was thinking kind of the opposite because like every single like they're not going to go early, but uh, if you need one, you can get one in like the sixth. Yeah, so but what? But how not, how it stacks up compared to other positions? I don't think it, I don't think it has that oh, much yeah, depth. I I would agree with that. If it was, yeah, if it was uh, just how many you think could play in their first year, yeah, that'd be one of the best. But compared to the receivers and the D tackles and the quarterbacks, and comparing them to other positions, this this is a weak tight end class. Uh, going back to uh, the uh, question four of a uh, certain uh, team fit, I could see. Uh, a Mason Dunn fitting very very well within uh, the Shamrocks because the Shamrocks have uh, a pretty solid wide receiving core. Uh, Graham Fiara is uh, getting up there in age at 29. It's going to be starting to regress. And like like I said, uh, Dunn's like a big slot. So with a quarterback like Tom Wilson, yeah, Tom Wilson scrambles, but it's more predominantly seen in the RFL that a scrambling quarterback out of all the wide receiving options they pick, the tight end is probably their most predominant. So I think Mason Dunn could be a great uh, pitch for the Shamrocks in like the third, third round. Yeah, I can see that. And, and the final question, where does this position, uh, position, Compared to uh, yeah, where does this? Where do these players get drafted in comparison to other positions? Is this position group high 
a higher need in the league that will be prioritized or will it be lower Definitely on the Definitely low on the total Yeah, it's it's uh I wouldn't say it's a large uh league need, but uh people aren't gonna be spending their first round picks on tight ends this year, especially. So a lot of a lot of teams have a lot of different uh positions that they can need, like as I just spoke on the Shamrocks, they're not gonna take a tight end in the first round, even though they can use another one. They need tackle like like yesterday, their tackles are terrible. So, yeah, so that's uh, all the questions and the breakdowns. So, I uh, hope everyone enjoyed uh, today's uh, tight end uh, positional breakdown. Uh, if you guys did, make sh- make sure you uh, leave feedback on things you think we can improve on, uh, things that you liked about it, you didn't like about it. Uh, we're open to criticism. Don't be afraid to tell us things that you don't like because that's the only way you get better. Yeah, he said. Uh, and then we'll be dropping the tight end graphic later today along with the podcast. And Well, actually, what I'm saying, you'll hear the podcast by the time you get to this point of it. So, yeah, tight end graphic will be dropping along with the podcast later today. And I uh, hope everyone has... Uh, Great Easter, and uh, see you guys tonight at the Snowhawks versus Crusaders game and Bulldogs versus Pioneers. Snowhawks and Crusaders is at 6 p.m. Bulldogs, Pioneers is at 8. Hope everyone has a great rest of their Easter weekend, and peace out.